And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Uh, good morning, everybody. Welcome to episode 163 of The Drop Set. It is I, Darren Starr, coming at you here, not live, but pre-recorded, as usual, from sunny and pretty much open for business Knoxville, Tennessee. Open for business? Yeah, pretty much. Is that a good thing? I don't think so necessarily, but nonetheless, here we are. So my gym is still open for some stupid reason. Um, I haven't gone since Tuesday. I'm not going back for a little while. So we're doing things at home. We'll talk about that later. We got more important stuff to talk about here. The first thing that we need to go over, some breaking news from this morning. Many of you know, a while back, we got a puppy. That puppy's name is Derby. If you follow me on Instagram at all, you've seen pictures of her. If you don't, I mean, seriously, you need to follow me on Instagram, if only for the dog pictures. So, I mean, come on, let's be realistic here. That's what we're all here for anyway, right? I think so. Now, Derby, we take her to, um, the vet that we take her to is Banfield Veterinary Hospital. It's the one that's inside PetSmart. We love our local one here. They're great. Love the doctors there. They're awesome. They have a wellness plan as well where for like 38 bucks a month or whatever, all our comprehensive stuff is covered. There's a discount on meds. There's a discount on emergency services, et cetera. And they, they just manage everything. They call us like time to bring her in for, you know, vaccinations or okay, here you go. Here she is. It's just really easy, really effortless. You know, we take her in for a cleaning. It's all paid for. It's just uh, like a dental cleaning. It's all paid for. It's an awesome setup. Really, really like that. So as part of the wellness plan that we signed her up with though, they did what's called a wisdom panel, which is a genetic testing panel. So now, we know what kind of a dog she is. Because we look at her and we're like, she's a beagle. She looks like a little miniature beagle. Awesome. Great. Well, now I know. And so I'm looking at a pie chart here of her breakdown. And so because of the lineage of dogs, and, you know, you've got a lot of mixed breeds, et cetera. And so if that starts going back, you know, a generation or two, um, then suddenly the, the waters start to get very murky. So I was kind of expecting results like what we got back here, where a big overall percentage is like, mm, we don't know. It's in this family. So she is 62.5% terrier and hound. Some kind of terrier, some kind of a hound. They just classified as breed groups. So she's, you know, let's round up here. She's, you know, roughly two-thirds just terrier and hound group. But then there are also three breeds of which she is 12.5% of each, which I found fascinating. So the one that's really not a surprise to us at all is she is 12.5% legit beagle. Cool. She is also 12.5% miniature short-haired dachshund, which does not really surprise us too much. We have friends with dachshunds, and we've noticed a lot of similar behavior, behavioral traits, like the burrowing, etc. She burrows like a dachshund. Um, so that, that's kind of fun to see. The other one kind of struck me as a little odd. She's 12.5% Great Pyrenees. I'm like, what? Huh? If you don't know what a Great Pyrenees is, look it up real quick. And then go to my Instagram feed, look at Derby, and realize that she's 12.5% that. You might as well have said she's 12.5% polar bear. Because it's like, uh, what? Okay, I mean, I believe it. I mean, and I think maybe it's more behavioral than appearance. I don't know. But um, it's kind of funny. So they, they had her... Um, I mean, I, I know that it's science and how it works, but it's still very fascinating to see, like, okay, from just a DNA sample... They can tell me what color hair she has, the fact that, you know, her genetic markers indicate that she will not have a single black hair on her body ever, 
but the, her nose is likely to be black and the underside of her paws are likely to be black. They can tell me about the fact that her ears go up and then flop over. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it's interesting the kind of stuff that they can tell just from genetics and that, you know, she's, she's a white dog and she has a marker for white spots as well. So she's going to be predominantly white, but she will have some tan as well. I'm like, man, you can tell a lot from just a DNA sample. It's cool. And she's, she uh, is not um, predisposed to any genetic health issues as well, which is great, which is really why we wanted to do it. So, um, I thought that was, uh, that was fascinating. So, um, Okay, a couple other things. I'm going to get this out of the way now because we've talked about Derby. Now we'll do the depressing stuff and then we'll move on from here. So um, just a quick virus update. So gyms everywhere are closing all over the place for now, which is fine. A lot of them are saying they're going to reopen in April. I'm not sure if that's going to happen or not, but we'll see what happens. You know, the start of April. I suspect it'll probably be a little bit delayed beyond that. But um, as I mentioned before, this week has been all about getting my clients set up on alternative workouts that we can do elsewhere. For the meantime, um, I've got a handful of clients who have decided to just pick up some equipment and do that at home. So, um, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting times. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Um, my, my advice to everybody here, rather than give you a breakdown because you, you read the news, uh, rather than recap what's going on, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to give you some advice, and this is advice that I will try to follow as well. And I've been trying to follow it, and I'm going to continue to try a little harder to follow it, which is I'm going to check the news once a day to read and scan headlines, and that's it. I think it's good to stay abreast of what's going on, but if you start digging in on the details and all this crap, it gets depressing. Um, there's a lot of doom and gloom out there that I don't think is necessarily warranted. Um, also, um, now the, the cases in the U S they're documenting are going way up and it's more, I believe it has more to do with the fact that more people are getting tested now. Um, and we just know versus, you know, we didn't have tests available. So the numbers were low. I mean, you know, everybody was saying that, well, the numbers are so low because we don't have any tests here. Now they're skyrocketing up. It's like, well, because people are getting tested, you know, I mean, yes, it's spreading a little bit as well, but I think we're doing a lot to, to stem that. You know, people, I think, by and large, aside from the idiot spring breakers, if you've seen that uh, that video that's gone viral about if I get it, I get it, whatever. But I'm here to party. It's like, you know what? Why don't you just light yourself on fire right now? You're going to be more useful to society in the long run if you just do that. Um, But I think generally people are being very responsible about the whole thing, which is smart. Um, Generally, you're always going to find exceptions. And the problem here is those exceptions aren't just a problem for themselves. There's a problem. They're a problem for other people. So it's, you know, it's definitely a, a situation where your behavior impacts other people. And I'm hoping that when all this is said and done, that we walk out of this with a little better perspective on that, because while it is painfully true here, it is always true at the same time. And I think if we just develop a little bit better overall awareness of that, what you do impacts other people. Um, I think we'll see some good change come from this and I, I'd be excited for that. So, Anyway, minimize your intake of the news. Talk with the people around you. Um, We had, in the past two days, two conversations with neighbors where I commented to my wife, I'm like, a week ago we never would have had that conversation. You know, our neighbor across the street, she's an older um, woman who lives alone. We had a good 10-minute chat with her, like, you know, from a safe distance apart over her yard. Um, But just nice, you know, being being there, you know. So, yeah, we're, we're all in isolation, but... Um, you know, you can still be there for people. And then there was another guy, we were out walking the dogs and he stopped and just chatted with us for a little while. And I was like, that never would have happened a week ago. He was just driving past and decided to roll down his window and stop and chat with us for a minute. Cool. So there, there are interesting things to take from this. So, 
Um, and uh, there's a lot of, uh, the great thing is we are in an unprecedented time as far as the quality of good stuff to watch on TV as well. And so all I would say is if you're streaming stuff, do it in standard def so we don't break the fucking internet, okay? Stop streaming your high def stuff just because guess what? Everybody's all doing it. It cannot handle our capacity. If you've noticed, like, you may have issues trying to stream what you're looking for. It's like, goes slow. It's like, we can't process your request right now. That's only going to get worse. So stream in standard def. Standard def is fine. You don't need high def everything. You're okay. All right? Do everybody a favor there. So that being said, here's another update. The studio stuff, the, the musical efforts of, of Darren and his wife slash band, they continue. Uh, they continue. So we, we've budgeted for this, and um, we're, we're not changing these plans. If anything, we're relying on this more now than ever before just because this is kind of what we have to hang our hat on. And we're going to do this, and we're going to get it done, we're going to see it through. So that does not change. That is absolutely not changing. I wanted to share with you two things here. Um, so one of these, basically, this is, this is one song. One song. Um, and this is a song that, it's actually one that I wrote the words and the music for, which is not usually the case. Usually I write the music. My wife writes the words because she's better at words. But, you know, I just I heard this and I'm like, this song is something special. It needs to be something special. You know, I wrote this song almost 20 years ago, the music at least. And it's just been sitting around unfinished forever until a few months ago I wrote some words for it. And then she fixed and tweaked it a little bit and she wrote the melody for it. And it's awesome and I love it and it's nothing like what I thought it would sound like so what I'm going to play for you here is our demo copy first of all so I want you to hear like okay I spent some time working on this we really really hammered it and like I really was happy with our arrangement of it I felt like it was a really good strong song I thought we had a pretty good quality recording etc so really happy with it overall so I want to play that for you here and what I'm going to do is just play a little snippet of it this is um verse three which will go all the way up to a little instrumental section. So it's just, you know, the song is basically like four verses. There isn't really a chorus or anything like that. And there's a couple of short little instrumental interludes. So this is verse three right before the more extensive instrumental interlude. And we'll cut it off before then. But I just want you to hear that. So sit back, listen, enjoy. This is our at-home demo studio copy of a song called Our Greatest Crime. This treasure day for which we never asked Fades like the next one will They never last The months sped past And we never took the time To see what's in front of us So th there you go. That is the at-home studio demo. So now, you know, we've been in the studio here. We've now been in there for five days. And we have five more days scheduled coming up. Um, Monday and Tuesday next week are for drums. Wednesday and Friday next week are for more vocals. And then Monday the following week is for more vocals still. So uh, what we're noticing here is that things tend to go pretty quick. The vocals take time because they need to be perfect. Perfect. 
um, which is, you know, not shocking, but it's kind of surprising and disarming the amount of work that goes into that. So all the credit in the world goes to my wife who this is, you know, it can be kind of frustrating for her to go in here and sing the same part like 5,000 times, but she's a trooper and she's doing it. So I want to play the same um, snippet of that same song. This is now the studio version. Um, so this is after a little bit of tweaking, little different arrangement. The melody has been altered a little bit and it's just better quality recording. So you can hear kind of like a B here's home demo. And then here is with, really great equipment, a little bit more tweaking and revising and feedback from a really good producer as well. So let's hear the same section. This treasure day for which we never asked It fades like the next one will They never last The months sped past listen to that without getting goosebumps. I think I'm a little biased because, you know, I wrote it, my wife's singing it, etc. But, you know, still, it's like, to me, that's pretty remarkable. I'm just beyond impressed with, first of all, her performance, the way that she's able to just dial it in and do that. Um, and also with the, the engineer and the way that he's able to bring it out of her and just the stuff that he does is just really, really invaluable. So that is one song. That is one of the more low-key songs. It's like one of the only songs on the album that you could possibly qualify as a love song. Um, the, the, you know, the others, there's a mix. There's a mix. So you pull this album up once it's available, and it's not not all going to sound like that. Um, so, I mean, you, you've heard some other things from it before here. So, anyway, <clears throat> it is... Uh, really exciting really exciting and so i'm like yeah even if we're at a point now with with all the changes like i'm not sure we should really finish this etc is it in the budget just screw it yes yes it is we've we've got to see this through it's really like the most important thing i got going right now <laughs> so um yeah good times good times so like i said drums next week more vocals next week another vocal day the following week then we got to do some guitars some bass little tune up on some other stuff and you know then before you know it it's going to start to come together and start to get kind of wrapped up which will be exciting so um still a lot of work to do though so um speaking of work what have i been doing so um my last day in the gym was on tuesday i've been home since um, so, um, my plan was, uh, flexibility and posing so far. I've been doing pretty good on that. The flexibility, honestly, this has been a bad week to try and jump into something new for sure. Just with how work has looked and just the demands, um, that I'm getting, well, not demands, but just the, the requests for changes and stuff I've got coming in from clients everywhere, um, has been remarkable. I mean, it, and I knew that it's like everybody Almost everybody needs a plan revision based on gym closures, et cetera. So I've been doing what I can to hit the mark with, with common things, but I've still been doing some custom stuff here and there as well, just based on where people are at, what their needs are, um, and, you know, just making sure that everybody gets what she, what they want. So, hey, 
Time for a quick commercial break from our sponsor. Who's our sponsor today? Our sponsor is um, Five Star Physique. You may have heard of this guy before. His name's Darren Starr. Hey, Darren. Say hi to everybody. Hi, guys. How you doing? So for this sponsored segment, I'm going to keep it relatively brief and say, you know, in the past, I have said things like, I've got a wait list for clients. You know, I'm not taking anyone new right now. After this week, hey, you want to jump on? I'm taking new people. Absolutely. So... <laughs> It's uh, it, it's been kind of funny here to see like, you know, I mean, th- there have been some legitimate things like there have been a, a, a couple of my clients who have um, been laid off and so they've had to stop coaching. Totally get that. Um, there have been a, a couple people, though. Um, I, I got one email that was like, my gym is closed, so obviously I'm not going to continue this. I'm like, obviously what? How is that obvious at all? I'm I'm not following. You want to walk me through the logic there because that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so, what I have found on this is that, you know, you really get a sense from working through something like this of who has had to deal with adversity before and who hasn't, and the degree to which they've dealt with it. So, because um, and for a lot of people, this is going to be the first big thing that they've ever had to deal with, and so they're going to learn a lot about themselves going through this if they allow that to happen, if they really look and, and try to learn. Otherwise, if it's just woe is me, woe is me, woe is me, then yeah, you can just you know, sit on your ass and, and let the situation and the circumstances win. But I think for most people, um, certainly most of the people that I work with, that's not going to cut it. And I understand that being a default response for a lot of people, but then you can work your way out of that as well. So um, yeah, basically, as far as I'm concerned, Unless there are extenuating circumstances for you specifically, I'm like it's this is business as usual. So I, I had somebody who's like, I didn't know if we were still checking in this week. I'm like, why the fuck wouldn't we check in this week? We still got stuff to do. Come on, yeah, yeah. I saw on someone on social media says life is paused. I'm like, the fuck it is. No, life is not paused. Some of your events are paused. Life goes on. We're still doing shit. So uh, I think some people just need to get out of their heads a little bit. And so I'm here to help encourage everyone to do that. So there's still stuff to do. Think about it this way. You've got a show that's 12 weeks out. Is life going to look normal in 12 weeks? Probably not. Is it going to start to return to normalcy? It's going to start to, yeah. And so this stretch now when we're out of the gym and we're forced to work out at home and make improvisations and stuff, that's going to be pretty much a distant memory by the time your show rolls around. And one of the things that I've been saying a lot this week also is that as bodybuilders, we have a really good ability if we let ourselves, and this is a skill that has to be learned over time, we have the ability to zoom out and see the big picture which is really critical. And for me, it's really easy. I've been doing this for 20 years. There's a lot of ups and downs that happen over 20 years. So this, for me, the way I see this in my current phase, hey, you know what? This is a chance to rest and focus on some other things besides just lifting as hard as I can. Focus on mobility, flexibility. Yes, step up my posing game in case I want to get back on stage in 2021. You know, that that's it's never too early to start that. And just the posing work that I've done this week has really opened my eyes. Now, if you're just completely lacking in body coordination, you're not hitting the poses correctly, you don't want to continue practicing that. So if you have a coach, record your posing stuff and send it to them and get some feedback and fix it and work on it. Watch some YouTube videos, etc. Um, dial it in, you know, re- really work to sharpen it up. Um, 
because even if you're doing at-home workouts and they're heavily modified, let's say you're doing bodyweight sessions or something like that, you know, it doesn't need to be an hour and 15 minutes. You're going to have extra time. And the posing work specifically, um, I think, is extremely valuable. Um, just because it, if you have any aspirations of getting on stage, then clearly you're practicing what you need to do. Nobody cares how hard you lift once you get up on stage. How well you pose, that really matters. And a lot of people really sell that short. Now, how hard you lift will impact what people see when you pose. So it's not like it's completely irrelevant. Of course it's relevant. But the posing matters a lot more. You know, how many times have you seen a physique up on stage where you're like, man, that is a really well-put-together physique, if only they could pose it. Um, I've been at shows where I say that more than I don't. <laughs> I mean, that is almost the, the norm. It's more common to see a physique that's really good, that's ruined by bad posing, than to see a physique that's maybe a little bit underwhelming, but man, they can pose their ass off. That is really rare. So spending some extra time on that is a good, smart thing. And another thing I encourage people to do is if you compete in men's physique, bikini, or figure, upscale, move up a division or two um, and practice poses for, you know, either classic physique, bodybuilding, or women's physique. Why? Well, just because as far as it being a proper workout, you're going to be working a lot harder if you're flexing everything. You know, like um, if you are doing figure, for example, not really working your biceps or triceps when you are um, when you're doing those uh, when you're doing your quarter turns, versus um, if you just decide to throw in some women's physique poses. Absolutely, you got front double bicep, back double bicep, side chest, side tricep. So you're working everything. And if we're trying to fall back on this as a little bit of a supplemental workout, then it makes sense to do a more comprehensive posing routine. Same thing for men's physique. And you know, if if you compete in bikini, you're like, really, you want me to do women's physique poses? Yeah, I don't need it to to look like you're ready to get on stage in women's physique. That's not the goal, but just putting your body through those paces, making all the muscles work a little bit harder. <clears throat> as far as a conditioning workout, it's a really good thing. It's a really good thing. And don't sell it short. Um, you know, the first day um, on Wednesday, I did it for 20 minutes. I was gassed. I was like sweating, breathing hard. I'm like, I got to go outside and cool off. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you do it hard and you do it well, it, it is cardio and it is hard, but it will also tighten and harden up the body. It'll improve your conditioning. And then also if you, if you do plan to compete, even if you don't plan to compete, I think it's a good thing to practice posing anyway. It's kind of fun as well. Um, and it just helps you dial in on mind muscle connection a little bit better. But also if you do plan to compete, being able to hold those poses for longer is a, a really good thing. It's a really good thing. So that's uh, what I will continue doing today. I'm also violating the social distancing guidelines and I'm going to get a massage this afternoon. I figure, eh, one-on-one, -on -one, how much do I trust a single person? You know, pretty well, pretty well. So I'm, I'm fairly comfortable with that. So let's talk now. Well, hold on. What do we do here? I've got one big topic that I want to cover here. Let's, let's maybe dig in on a couple um, voicemails first. So let me find, hold on. I got a few here, few, few who have called in. So this is back from March 16th. This is just back on Monday, actually. Look at me, all caught up for once. Hot damn, cool. So let's see what we got here. Let's dig in on this, and then we'll, um, depending on how long this takes, we might then jump in directly into the big topic of the day. Hey, Darren, this is Heather from New Jersey. Um, I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about full range of motion versus not full range of motion, meaning um, fully extending and contracting the muscle and not doing so either utilizing half reps, quarter reps, one and a half reps, or eagle lifting to where you're cheating it. Um, because I know during, like, say, a single arm preacher curl, you could focus on hard the hard contraction at the top and not really worry about 
lengthening the bicep all the way at the bottom um, versus the differentiation of or calf raise where people don't get the full extension and reap the benefits of that. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, good question, Heather. So um, uh, about your examples um, that you stated there at the end, um, preacher curls, yeah, I mean, I always tell people to focus on the squeeze on a preacher curl and maybe a good negative, maybe even a slow concentric, but not a pause just because, you know, what what you don't want to do on a preacher curl just because of the um, the setup of the exercise is fully lengthened in the bicep because then you're just going to risk pissing your elbow off. So that's more of a a protective precaution more than anything else. And sometimes you, you want to avoid certain... Um, certain pieces of an exercise's range of motion for something like that. Fairly rare, um, but like on a leg press, you always often hear like, don't lock out between reps. And I think there is a way to lock out safely, but if I don't trust that somebody's going to do that well, then I'm going to tell them don't lock out. Like extend, but don't fully extend and lock out the knees. Um, And then you get something like dips and flies, where if you get into a really, really big stretch on those, you could really irritate a shoulder, especially if it's already a little compromised. So that's one where... You know, it might make sense to shorten up the range of motion a little bit, um, like a, a pec deck fly as well as a dumbbell fly. I find that to be a little bit more productive if you focus on the squeeze and limit the stretch on those. It keeps the shoulder happy, but also it, it works the chest a little bit better, um, in, in my opinion. That's just when I feel it, if, if I eliminate the stretch, like the big, big, deep stretch when your arms are way out to the side, if I chill out on that a little bit and focus on keeping the movement a little bit more out in front of me, um, even if my shoulders are really well, really well warmed up, um, they're going to feel that stretch a little bit, not necessarily in a good way. And I'm, t- I'm talking like the shoulder joint and the soft tissue in there, not the muscle. Because um, you can stretch the muscle. The problem is, you know, do, does your joint have the mobility to pull it off and support that? Not everybody does. And I think a lot of people just think, well, full range of motion, let's do it. And I wish that was the norm. But some, some people do that. And they have fairly mobile joints. But you know, if, they don't, if they're not aligned properly, they're going to, you know, maybe catch, pinch get tweaked a little bit or just get irritated and inflamed over time with excessive range of motion so be mindful about limiting it for uh, a what like a as a protective measure um calf raises the the problem that i see on that is most people just rush those um, because calf raises are one thing that are really commonly programmed in as high reps like you'll see a lot of things it's fairly rare in conventional programming to see calf raises with less than 15 reps. A lot of people are just really gung-ho on calf raises need to be super high rep, 30, 50, 100. And I, I certainly do a fair bit of that in my programming as well. The problem is if you've got a 30-rep set, treat it like it's a 5-rep set. Like Think about the, the kind of pace and quality of execution that you put into 5 reps. And now all we're going to do is a set that takes 6 times as long. That's so you don't rush it, and when you rush it, you shorten up the range of motion as well, typically. So that's the biggest mistake that I see people make is just rushing it and shortening up the range of motion because the reps are higher on calf work very often. So I think that that might be part of the reason there. So as far as just generally speaking, full range of motion versus what I would classify as intentional partial range of motion, like the benefits of each. Um, and we've talked before about long versus short positions for the muscle. Like when is the muscle fully lengthened versus when is it fully shortened or fully contracted? Um, And I think in general, throughout most of the workout, you should focus on putting the muscle through its full range of motion on all reps. There are certainly exceptions for that, like the ones that we talked about before, where if it's necessary to to protect the body against injury, we can shorten up and do, do less range of motion there. But 
the 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 problem is if you are a habitually a limited range of motion person. I've got a few clients here that I'm thinking of that um, like very common for bicep work to not fully extend the elbow. So you get in the habit of doing that, and suddenly before you know it, you're going through an entire arm workout and never fully extending the elbow because it's habit. So we got to break that habit because if your bicep never gets fully lengthened and fully stretched, it's never going to reach its maximum development potential. So you've got to be in the habit of doing full range of motion. And I would say if you're doing an extra exercise like 21s or something where you're um, intentionally doing just a part of the range of motion like upper halves or something like that that needs to be the exception first of all but also I wouldn't recommend doing that necessarily until you have a really good grasp and feel really good and confident about what full range of motion feels like all the time Um, that needs to be your default approach for everything and if something's calling for shorter range of motion specifically intentionally deliberately uh, first of all, that can be a really good thing. Like 21's a great exercise. If you're not familiar with 21's, it's, it's 21 reps. It's 7 reps each of 3 different forced ranges of motion. Like upper half of the rep, lower half of the rep, full rep. Um, that's a really, really good way because you're just hammering the muscle in certain positions. Um, so, you know, you're really, when you do an upper half range of motion curl for biceps, um, you're, you're really hitting it in its shortest position. And then you go all the way down and you do the lower half. The problem is it's gotta be full and total extension of the elbow and then halfway up. So that kind of a half rep. If you're just mostly extending the elbow, you're missing the entire benefit of doing this. The whole point of accentuating the bottom half of the range of motion is to get the bicep fully extended on each rep. So you've got to make sure that you do that. And then the the full rep, full range of motion after that is just the icing on the cake. So you've fatigued it by doing partial range of motion. You've kind of pre-exhausted it. Now we're going to finish off with full range of motion reps. They're going to be brutal. So I really like that strategy. You can do 21s for a lot of exercises. Lateral raises, you could do it for tricep work. I've seen people do 21s for calves. Your range of motion there is a little bit more limited, so you've got to be really careful and take it kind of slow and go pretty light. But um, that can really work as well. 21s for leg extensions, for curls, although I don't typically do it for curls because when you're doing like lying curls, you can't see what you're doing. And if you can't see your range of motion, um, you're probably going to miss the mark and it's probably not going to be very effective. So, um, but yeah, generally speaking, and even like forced reps where you cheat it up a little bit. And I, I, Heather, I think you mentioned that as well. Um, I'm kind of drawing a blank. There was, there was one example that you gave on, I want to say it was like a, a, a cheat rep or kind of like a momentum induced rep where you're kind of missing the beginning of the rep, um, where you kind of just use some body English to get the rep initiated. So you don't, uh, you don't, really get much benefit out of the beginning of it so you're really focusing on the later part of the range of motion that can be really helpful in the right situation as well um basically what we're looking to do is more total work and anything that you can do to trick the body into doing more total work is great and so if you are habitually a partial range of motion lifter then the first thing that you can do to trick your body into doing more work is do full range of motion so like fully extend those joints you know, on a, on a leg extension, make sure that you get a really good stretch in the quads. Let your feet come all the way under you in between reps and then extend the leg all the way. Don't let it stop at 170 degree extension, full 180 degree extension. Get that full range of motion in there. That's key. That's key. So really good question. Generally speaking, though, I really like that one. Let's do one more. Let's see what we got. Hi, Darren. This is Kaya from Prescott, Arizona. I have a question regarding deload weeks. Um, what are they? How can they be applied, and are they useful either um, post-contest prep or intra-contest prep? Thanks so much. Have a good day. 
Great question, Kaya. Thank you for that. So deload weeks, what are they? They are weeks of reduced intensity, or maybe you just take a week off entirely. Like I'm having a deload week times two right now where, yeah, I'm still doing some stuff. I'm remaining active. I'm still doing my morning or these days it's afternoon cardio, walking the dogs, um, doing some posing practice, doing some flexibility. So the body isn't totally relaxing, but I'm not putting it under the stress of a full onslaught of typical workouts for the week. Um, so that is what a deload week is. Most traditionally, it is a powerlifting kind of thing. So often in powerlifting, you will do things in waves where your lifting intensity ramps up over the course of two to three weeks, maybe four, and then maybe under some protocols, you do some one rep max testing. That's a really tough, long, hard day. And then you take a, a deload week where you never crack anything more than 60% of your maxes for some relatively low reps. So that's a, a way for the body to let the, the central nervous system recover a little bit um, and uh, also to just let let the body physically recover a little bit as well um, and if you don't take that break especially in powerlifting I mean this is really where it's most appropriate you will not be able to progress you've got to you've got to beat the hell out of your body and then you've got to give it a little time to recover so um, ultimately the necessity of a deload week depends completely upon um, how hard you train like, if you don't train terribly hard, guess what? You never need a deload week. You just don't. You know, I mean, you, you got it's something that has to be earned. And so, with powerlifting, because it's a little bit more numerically regimented, um, and, you know, it, it, failure is a little bit easier there. Like, you, you'll know if you're pushing hard on your bench press and lifting appropriately if you start failing reps. Uh, <laughs> Versus, you know, if, if if I say, here's three sets of 10, here's three sets of 10, here's four sets of 12, et cetera, and you do that, you go through like, whew, yeah, good workout. Okay, yeah, but how hard did you really work there? Are you at capacity? Are you failing? Are you missing reps? It's a little bit harder to answer that question under a bodybuilding slash hypertrophy style workout. In powerlifting, it's very easy. It's kind of binary. It's like, did did you fail? Yes or no? If yes, then that means you're you're working with an appropriate weight. Now, I would also argue in powerlifting, the goal is not to miss any numbers, but in, invariably you do it long enough, you're going to miss numbers. So um, if you're not missing any, it just tells me that either one, you're a programming genius and you've just set yourself up so well, it's unbelievable, or more likely um, you're not quite lifting to potential. That's much more likely. So deload weeks have to be earned for sure. If, you, if you're just not lifting at potential, you don't need a deload week because what are you deloading from? Submax lifts? So you're going to do lower intensity lifts than that that's not helpful that's not helpful um as far as when to do it so let, let's just make the assumption that you lift really hard and you could really benefit from a deload week okay great um not during prep there's no time for that i mean it's a race against the clock um your competitors aren't deloading uh, your, your competition isn't deloading you don't either um now that doesn't say that we don't take a little bit of a break periodically usually the thing that i would implement most commonly would be uh, like a cardio break like, hey, let's take four days off cardio. You need it. You're dragging. You're dragging. Your body's slowing down a little bit. You're exhausted. You're cranky. Uh, you you want to, you know, cry at the drop of a hat. Like, you need a little bit of a break. And all those things are totally legitimate and understandable during a hard prep. So I, I will implement that. So you could kind of consider that a deload. But as far as lifting goes, I mean, we have rest days, but we, we, we can't take a deload week. There's just no time for that. You know, we're, we're on a pretty regimented schedule. It's pretty fixed. Um, and unless circumstances really, really call for it, you're not going to see a deload week under prep. After prep, after a show, yeah, might make a lot of sense. You know, I've known people to take a month off after a show. I don't necessarily think that that's really necessary, but taking a week to decompress and deload and just chill out for a little bit. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are, are scared about that, and I would never advocate that a first-time competitor do that. Simply because as a first-time competitor, I don't know how your brain's going to respond once the show is over. And I have seen so many people who the show comes, the show goes, it's over, and then they just lose it completely. They were relying on that show as motivation instead of just having discipline to be able to pull off the stuff that they needed to do. And without the show there, they fall off the map. Not useful. Not useful. So, yeah, in that case, no. Oftentimes for a first show, what I will tell somebody is, okay, show's on Saturday. Here's our agenda. Great. Go out. Have a good time. Um, enjoy yourself up on stage. Awesome, cool. Go out and eat something good afterwards. Sunday morning, you wake up, you're doing cardio. Just because, not because you need it, not because we're like trying to work off, you know, anything that you ate the night before, but because I need your brain to know that it, it ain't over now. I need your, your brain to understand that. I need your routine to understand that uh, we're going to continue with this. And maybe things are going to look a little different. I think it makes sense to make some programming changes, but um, the, the process of doing this um, continues unless you want to have a really bad rebound. So we need to maintain some kind of a cardio structure. We need to maintain some kind of a dieting structure um, so that we don't just slip back into um, the, the habit of having no routine, which is, is really dangerous post-show, especially if you've had a really hard prep. You're setting yourself up for a bad time if you do that. So so for a first timer, I wouldn't advocate for it. I would say, hey, let's get a week or two under our belt. And then if it feels like it's necessary, hey, let's chill out for a little bit and let's just do some reduced volume workouts. Um, it's a deload week. Um, a deload week is not a week where you just don't do anything. Uh, deload week is just, you know, reduced volume, reduced intensity. Um, and I've, I've done those before, uh, like on a, on a growth phase. I've, I have found a lot of value in implementing deload weeks every five to six weeks. Just because during growth phase, it's really important to force progressive overload. That really kind of beats your body up. So a deload week for me is going to be more like an 85% week as opposed to a 100% week um, where I'm, I'm still pushing things. I'm just like, hey, the top end set, this heaviest set, we're going to skip that. I'm going to do everything else, but we're going to skip that. So um, I think that's fair. That's totally valid. So th there's a, a right and a wrong way to do it. You still maintain the routine. You're still doing stuff. It's just with little lower intensity, maybe a little reduced volume as well. So that's a great question though, Kai. I appreciate that. Okay. So the, the other thing that I wanted to talk about here, and this doesn't need to be super long, but I think it's worth discussing here is, um, how do you work from home? And I'm not even talking about working out from home. We'll, we'll discuss that a little bit, prim but primarily how do you work from home? So this is a little off topic when it comes to bodybuilding, but by the same token, I think it's really appropriate because a lot of us are working from home now. For a lot of people, it's really new. And for this guy, it is not new. So I consider myself to be a little bit of an expert on the subject because I have busy days and I do a really good job of keeping on task. And so I wanted to share some tips, some of them common sense, some of them maybe a little less common sense as far as how do you go about keeping yourself on task when suddenly you don't have the structure of going into an office. You're not surrounded by people who can see what you're doing. So you know, the, the um, social pressure of kind of trying to remain on task so that it looks like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Like, Well, I'm at home, so let me just pull up solitaire here, and two, 90 minutes later, oh, crap, what happened? You know, uh, How do we avoid that kind of stuff? So um, the first thing, and this is, this is where it has some direct transference to bodybuilding. What's the thing that I always tell people um, as far as like sticking on your plan and having some consistency? has nothing to do with motivation. Motivation is great, but it's not something that you can rely on. What does it rely on? Let's all say it together on the count of three. One, two, three. Discipline. Discipline is what matters. Discipline 
is how you get through the days that you don't want to do. And let's be clear, in the gym, there are going to be days when you just don't want to go, but you got to get it done anyway. You know, if you're feeling fine physically, there's nothing holding you back. It's just, man, you're just not really feeling it. Discipline is what gets it done. With work, that feeling is a little bit more common. You're more likely to have days where like, I just don't really want to get this done. I don't really want to go in, et cetera. But you're, you've got to drive into the office. You've got to do it. You don't have a choice. You need the paycheck. So um, discipline is what forces you to continue to go in and get the work done when you don't really want to. Now, what happens when nobody's watching you? And maybe, um, you know, like for me, it's fairly easy because I have people who expect responses from me on a regular basis and there's work to be done there. So, you know, if I have check-in scheduled for Tuesday, um, it is not in my vocabulary to be okay with responding on Wednesday. Part of that is because I have check-ins that are scheduled for Wednesday as well. If I don't do my Tuesday ones, then I've set myself up with a really bad Wednesday now. So for me, a lot of it is a matter of self-preservation, but it's also discipline. And it's also honoring my word and commitment to all my clients. And I say, if you get me your stuff on time, I'll respond same day, no exceptions ever under any circumstances, unless I'm dead. And I have made, had, had, had to make an exception once, and it was February 27th of last year, 2019, um, when we lost Bella. That was a day where I'm like, hey, you know what? This is all going to wait for a day. Big deal. That's what it takes to get me to be late with a check-in. Um, so you know, short of something like that, you're going to get a response from me. And why? Well, it's discipline, but it's also commitment to the word that, I, that I've given to all my clients. So um, what... Uh, what, what it comes down to, though, is discipline. You've got to get it done. You've got to get it done. And he, here's another thing that I would, I would argue with you on, and, or not argue with you, but encourage you to think about. So let's say your typical job is you go in at 8, there's an hour lunch break, and then you're, you're off at 5. Okay, well, first of all, you're about to save a lot of time during your day because you don't have a commute, and you're not dealing with rush hour. So that is time gained that is bonus free time that you would not have otherwise. Think about that. For a lot of people, that's an hour and a half a day that you just got back. That's a big freaking deal. Here's the other thing. Think about this. You go in for an, a nine-hour day in the office, you know, minus an hour for lunch, whatever, eight hours. Challenge yourself. Think about it. How long would that day actually take you if somebody said, hey, Finish this up as fast as you can, and then we're going to go blah, 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 or whatever. How much time would it actually take you? I have had work days in the past, you know, when I, when I was working in an office, where I was there for eight hours, and, like, I could have done this work in three. But you go slower because you're stuck there anyway, so you're like, okay, I just, I'm going to just pace myself. It's not like if I finish early, there's going to be more stuff to do. This is all I've got to do for today, so I'm just go a little slower, okay? You know, that's a, a fact of life for a lot of people. So the nature of your job is going to dictate just, you know, how how that really works. Um, but the thing about working from home is you're at home. So as soon as you're done, you can, you, you can quote unquote leave in most circumstances. Now there might be a meeting that you have to be present for or something like that. I get that. But my, my goal with work is always like, how early in the day can I finish this up? And these days is not a good example because things are a little bit busier now than they, they normally would be just due to everything that's going on. But, uh, I, my, my goal has always been, okay, I'm going to start early, and my goal is to be mostly done with work by the time that my wife gets home from school. Um, when she gets off at 3.30, she's off at home by 4, so, you know, if I can be done at 4, that's good. And 
oftentimes I make that mark um, and I'm done with check-ins right around four o'clock. Um, but then also there's always stuff that creeps in after that. So I never really shut the computer down until around seven, seven thirty, Cause I'm, you know, wait, just waiting for emails to show up, et cetera. Any other questions? I'm going to answer those mostly just because, uh, I want to wake up to a fairly calm morning the following day. And if there's something I can answer at night and give myself one less thing to do in the morning when I'm groggy and still kind of, uh, and not have to play like inbox triage in the morning. Great. Um, my usual routine in the morning is to clean up my inbox because I'm receiving all these check-in materials from clients, photos, tracking spreadsheets, etc. So instead, I wake up and I'm in a zo- I'm, I'm in zombie mode and I'm just kind of like saving stuff and organizing and doing that and waiting to to respond to things until I'm a little bit more awake. But that leads me to my next thing, which is get an early start. Um, so I'm up at four thirty uh, on a typical day. And usually I am on the computer and starting inbox cleanup by about 440. Um, and so people get some random responses from me before 5 a.m. And they're like, what are you doing up so early? I'm like, this is how I do it. Um, and again, that, that has to do with I, I take an aggressive approach to getting stuff done. I have a pretty clearly defined daily to-do list. And uh, anything that I don't get done on that to-do list is getting pushed till the next day which already has a pretty full list. So for me, it's about survival. And what you can do, depending on, you know, I, I don't think it really matters how your job is structured. You can impose a sense of urgency like that on yourself as well. Um, and I, I would strongly encourage it. So um, another thing that I do, and this, this applies to a job that you that could be done from anywhere. Like this would apply to an office as well. But And I know for a lot of people, you're like, yeah, dude, that ship has sailed. I can't do that. It's not an option. So... Uh, and I will just tell you, it's always an option. You might have to cut your losses, excuse me, cut your losses on some things, but it is always an option. And that is maintain a policy of inbox zero, meaning you have no messages hanging out in your inbox unless there's something that's come in that day that you need to respond to. Other than that, you're, you're not saving stuff in your inbox. The reason being for me, it gives me the opportunity to treat my inbox as a to do list. Um, so I know if there's still stuff in my inbox, I'm not done for the day. Once that inbox is done, cool. I'm packing it up. We're done. Shut it down. Uh, it is my to-do list. Um, having stuff sitting around my inbox as well stresses me out. Those of you that have 17,000 emails in your inbox, um, I don't know how you do it. Um, so a big part of that comes from, and again, if you've got an email sitting in your inbox, that's more than a month old. I'm going to go ahead and say you could probably delete that. You don't need it. Are, are you going back to that? Really? Are you looking for it? Classify those emails. What are you really looking for? Are you going back and searching for like that coupon code from that online store that you shop at? Archive it all. Ar- archive it all. Keep it out of your inbox. Your inbox is your to-do list, and uh, you need to keep that space fairly sacred. Um, because, again, that is what I'm supposed to be doing today. Right now, I have seven unread messages in my inbox, which most of those have come in since I started recording this podcast. There's one that came in late last night and one from this morning that I have not responded to yet. Um, I do have one thing in there from February 2nd, which is my um, e-ticket confirmation from United Airlines for the flight I never took. So I'm saving that simply because I need to keep my eyes on that because I can get credit for that flight since I didn't take it due to the virus outbreak. So I'm saving that in there, but everything else is, uh, is stuff that's come in, you know, since seven 30. So, um, treat your inbox 
like it's your to-do list. Be extremely protective of it and tackle things. You know, be aggressive about it. If, when you get an email, make a decision. And that decision might be archive. I don't need that. That decision might be quick response. Respond really quick. That decision might be, eh, I'm going to sit on that for an hour. Um, that decision might be, I'm going to wait until more emails like that come in and then I'm going to tackle them all together. Um, the, but if you have a plan in place, and the, the decision might be, I need to unsubscribe from that list because I keep getting this crap and I don't want it. <laughs> so there's a lot of potential actions there. The other thing I would encourage is um, if you use a Gmail, for example, a lot of email programs have an option like this. For Gmail, there's a plugin that you can get called Boomerang, which allows you to pause your inbox. When you pause your inbox, you stop seeing stuff come into it until you unpause it. And when you pause it, there's a little banner up at the top of the screen that gets displayed that says your inbox is currently paused. Click here to unpause it. So you're not just waiting for stuff to show up like, why is there nothing showing up? Oh, it's because I paused my inbox. I forgot. So when you do that, you're allowed to focus on other tasks rather than just responding to every email as it comes in, um, which is wise. Do your email in blocks. Um, and don't feel like, I mean, again, your job circumstances may be a little bit different. There are a few jobs out there where a, an email needs to be responded to immediately or within five minutes. Not a lot of that going on. Most of it can wait. Um, and if it can't wait, it's usually a phone call instead. So um, be, be mindful of just your ability to do that. You're, you're, you've got the ability to pause your inbox and stop seeing stuff coming in so that you can focus on other things. I am a big fan also of getting an early start. Um, like, like I mentioned before, just because I, I feel more productive if I wake up and by 5.30, I'm already looking at an empty inbox. Um, that It's all about that feeling of accomplishment, similar to if you wake up and make your bed first thing in the morning. Hey, or you wake up and you do fasted cardio first thing in the morning. Hey, I've gotten up. I've done something. This day is all about accomplishing tasks. I just got up and I've already done a big one. Great. That's what we like. So it's about kind of capitalizing on those little victories. Um, take breaks. Walk away from your desk periodically. Eat. Don't forget to eat. Don't forget to drink. Case in point my little mason jar of water here, excuse me. Yes, don't forget to drink water. Um, don't forget to take breaks to eat. Um, don't forget to get up and walk away. Make sure you've got a comfortable space set up. The one thing that I, I remember when uh, reading articles about home office setup before is spend your money where you spend your time. I spent so much money at this desk, so um, you know I didn't spend a lot of money on a fancy desk, but I made sure that I spent a little bit on the one that was right for me. Um, I did get a fancy chair just because I spend more time in this chair than anywhere else on the planet. So it was important to me to, to have something that was gonna be comfortable. Um, and then my computer setup here, my, my computer itself is a, a little old, dated, and slow and is in need of an update. But my display setup is very conducive to what I'm doing. So I, I've, I've gone and given myself a desk, office, computer setup um, that allows me to be very efficient, which is a big help as well. So efficiency, early start manage your email, treat it intelligently, use it as a to-do list, um, and be disciplined. Those are the main things. Eliminate distractions as best you can. I know, I know a lot of you 
are at home with kids right now and might have to be doing a little homeschooling possibly, or you've got kids and you're trying to keep them on task with online classes. Maybe not right now, maybe it's spring break for you. So you know, different rules are going to, going to apply for everybody. Um, but make sure you have things in place that can keep your kids occupied um, when you need to be doing work. And so part of that is, you know, this is probably going to sound very, very naive to all the parents out there for, from a guy who doesn't have kids. Um, but lead by example. You know, if you can show them that you can be disciplined, I, I suspect that they will pick up on that over time. Now, it might take years. It might not happen until they're 25, 35, who knows. But it, it, it can happen. Um, so lead by example and talk to them about it as well and just make sure that they understand, like, hey, I'm working over here. So y'all need to be doing work. We're all going to do work together. We're going to crank out some work for an hour, and then we're going to go like outside and do something or whatever. Um, but give yourself blocks of work time that coincide with what they have to do as well. Put yourself on a similar schedule. Um, and here's another thing where waking up early can be a huge benefit because that is likely time that you might have to yourself where you can get some basic stuff done before other people get up. I mean, that's, you know, one of the reasons I get up at 4.30 is because I've got a list of things that I want to get done for the day before um, it's time to help my wife get out the door to go to school, um, which is at 7. So I've got a couple hours to play with there, um, which I, I try to make the most of. So that's it. So again, nothing super earth shattering there, but for those of you that are new to working from home, I've been doing this for a long time and I do a really good job of staying on track with it. So, and the, that is really all I'm doing. There isn't a magic secret for it or anything that the biggest component of that 100% without a doubt is discipline. Um, if you don't have the discipline, none of the rest of it's going to matter. So, um, you've got, you've got to have that in place and you've got to be, you know, willing to, uh, put in the kind of work um, and the, the kind of consistency and commitment that you would in the gym as well. You know, I mean, it's, it's the same kind of thing for sure. So, so that's all I got. That is uh, that has been Friday's episode. So next week, what's going on? I'm going to be in the studio on Monday. We will not have an episode on Monday. I should be here on Friday, however. Uh, Friday is scheduled to be a vocal day, but um, I think I will have the day off. I don't think they're going to want me in there. So I'll be here on Friday. We'll do an episode on Friday. So continue to send in your questions. Call in 865-518-2974. Um, shoot me over whatever you want to talk about. Anything at all. Anything at all. Anything goes. At this point... Um, you know, let's talk about home workouts. Let's talk about, you know, maintaining some discipline structure on the workout side of things. Um, anything, anything. Bonus points if it has nothing to do with coronavirus, but I will entertain all topics at this point. So I hope everybody has a great, safe weekend. Um, stay safe, stay clean, wash your hands, stay away from people, etc. You know, typical introvert advice. What else would you expect to hear from me? Uh, I would give you that advice any day out of the year. Always stay away from people. It's just good for you. Um, that's all I got. So once again, I appreciate everybody listening. If you have anything else um, that you'd like to hear on here, you know the number, 865-518-2974. You know how to find me online, Instagram at Darren underscore star, fivestarphysique.com, thedropset.com. You can email me directly, Darren at fivestarfitness.com. Just make sure you get the right number of R's. One R in Darren, two R's, star. 